welcome to the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the Jewish sage himself, the one and only Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? Only you would drum. Oh, we got a drum roll. We got I remember do. when you drummed. Was that 20 years ago? More than 20 years ago. That's right. I was. A, I am a drummer. I still you, drum. You are a drummer. We still have the drums. I'm trying to get those drums out of the room. <laughs> I don't know if I want those drums. <laughs> uh, well, listen, we have a great show for you lined up. We got some special guests we're going to talk about and introduce in a moment. We're going to continue the book of Revelation. We've got our Yiddish word of the day. We've got fast news, other news. But before we get to that, here we go. Welcome in. Welcome in. Man, Steve. We have some special guests today. I mean, we have been we've been begging and begging. begging. <laughs> We're down on our knees, please begging, please. I'm a down on my knees. That's right. We've been asking for a long time because our special guest uh, has actually been following the podcast since the very beginning. He's one of the original seven. He's one of the original seven. I, you know, I I know that he doesn't enter into the debate as to what number he's in. But I know with confidence he's been listening since day one and been a big encourager of the Jew and Gentile podcast. And a big critic, which, by the way, we need (laughs) because there's nothing we do right. (laughs) We'll get a text message, uh, you know, hey, why is this like this? Why? So he only makes us better. You know? That's right. Why are you sitting over there? Yeah. They can't see. I only saw half of You're you. You're facing this way. You should be facing that way. Okay. Enough Enough of just uh, you know trying to dance around it. Steve, why don't you introduce our special guest today? I'm happy to introduce the Vice President of Ministry Advancement. I mean that with all, all the respect, little that I have, to muster up. Tom Gagan. Tom, welcome. Well, it's great to be here, guys, after, what, over a year. I said no for over a year. But here did. I am. Yeah. He did, but the only. But was it about today? I mean, what we finally just know. cornered I'm you? I'm going to tell you because our <laughs> other guest is on her third day of working, Julie, who and she was game for coming on right away. Right away. But I wanted Julie to come, and I said, Tom, come on, bring Julie. And so he said. All right, I'll do it. But he wouldn't have done it if not if not for Julie. Julie, you've been with the organization for three days. Tom, two and for, a half days so far. Two and a half, right? Yeah. So Julie, two and a half days. Tom, thirty years. Steve, forty years. I'm twenty years. So you're a newbie. Welcome to the club. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. And you work in Tom's advancement department. Well, you know why they hired? You know why she accepted the job? She found out that Tom doesn't come to the office, <laughs> and she said, "Sign me up." <laughs> Wait, he's not going to be there. That's great. That's great. Well, it's glad. I'm glad to have you too, Steve. Is Tom was getting worried? He said, "What are you guys going to ask me? What are you going to ask me?" Well, actually, the first question I'm going to ask Tom when you were testing the mic. Tell it, you were doing some, ra- you had a radio voice. Oh, no, you don't. Come no, on, you don't. No, no. Oh, you should have. <laughs> right, here you go. Are right, you ready? Uh, yeah. This is Dynamite Mike Kelly with the TKLW <laughs> Cash Call Contest. Do you know how to play? <laughs> Wait, and, and what about the bricks? How many bricks are there in the Ambassador Bridge? Oh, uh, look at you. He's got the radio. That's awesome. How, how many bricks? None. It's, it's made entirely of steel and cement, so the answer is zero. <laughs> they should have asked you to do radio at Friends of Israel, you know? Never got the invitation. Never. <laughs> they didn't know. Wasn't he they, good? He's very he's good. very good. That's great. Uh, and Julie, uh, three day, or two and a half days, how's it been so far? What's your experience at Friends of Israel? Oh, it's been amazing. I've been taken out to lunch two days out of three, so There that's... you go. <laughs> 
Don't don't, don't get any ideas. It. Don't count I know. It. She's gonna be knocking on our door. Anybody <laughs> going to lunch today? We we did the opposite of the Bible. We gave you our best first. <laughs> that's right. The new wine first, then the old wine. All right, that's great. Well, um, Tom, you've actually played a pretty important role in the development of the Jew and Gentile podcast. We started off over here in our office with just a little camera and a couple mm-hmm. microphones, and then we started expanding, and you've been behind it ever since and encouraging uh, you know, people to give to FOI sure. Equip and the Jew and Gentile podcast. Yeah, it's true. I've been a big fan since the very beginning, and um, like you said, I may not be your biggest fan because there's so many people fighting for that, but I am your biggest critic. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> and as a result of that, I see more cameras, I see a better, uh, you know, studio here you got a wonderful setup and yes i have listened to everyone except one and i don't know which one that is anymore uh, yeah you're gonna have to go back and re-listen to all of them to find out <laughs> i don't think so that's great and tom uh uh you've been with the organization going back like i said 30 years you started with a program called the institute of biblical studies yeah. uh you know foi equip is kind of built on a lot of the foundation that was left with IBS, uh, the Institute mm-hmm. of Biblical Studies, that's IJS. I, that's not the disease, IBS. That, that's right. It's that's not right. IBS like you've got a bowel problem. We're talking about <laughs> Institute of Biblical Studies. I think it was called IBS before there was Look, the IBS. IBS should be the <laughs> call right. letters of every Jewish male out there. We all have issues. <laughs> You're so funny. So anyway, we're we're uh, you've been a part of the 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 really the foundation there, and that led you into serving here mm-hmm. at Friends of Israel. Talk about what you do here. I think. I think it's so important for people to know. Yeah, I started off as the uh, the only one, actually. Uh, I was hired to actually go out and visit the folks that support this ministry through their prayers and their gifts. So starting day one, I just went out. I had a list of people. I'm here. I'm, I live near the studio here, or the uh, headquarters here. So there's hundreds of people all around that support this ministry. So I'd go out Monday through Friday, 25, 30 people a week. I'd go visit and just say, hi, thanks for your interest and your support fill them in on some of the things that are happening at the ministry and relationships are built and they're moved forward. And then when needs come up, it's very natural to just ask them, Hey, would you think about helping us uh, with a particular project we're working on? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's not as if you're begging for money or anything like that. It's that you've developed a relationship. They're connected to the ministry and therefore they, uh, they give, you, you know, Chris, um, back in the day, uh, pro- several years ago, uh, Tom and I worked together uh, to kind of paint a vision for what we wanted in North American ministries. And uh, Tom took me around, and we met several donors who actually have made it possible for not just, as we talked about this room, but some of our workers are actually being supported now through mm-hmm. a, a mission launch initiative that's been funded by many donors that Tom uh, that Tom had. In fact, uh, Tom, why don't you tell them we we called one of your donors just specifically right. to thank her. Sure, she was the foundation to what once she gave, and she was very generous. But once she gave, the thing sprouted, kind of like what uh, Barbara Streisand said in her movie: "Money's like manure; you get you spread it around, <laughs> things gotta grow." And they have, yeah, and they have, yes, yes. You know, and actually, that goes back a generation before her. Uh, interesting story. Um, the woman who you're talking about had a mother who was just about ready to go home to be with the Lord. And, but she knew she hadn't put her house in order, as we say. She didn't have an estate plan the way she should have had. But at the last minute, they brought an attorney in to her mother's bedside who was dying. And they put a pen in her hand 
and they had a document there, and she couldn't even write her name. So the so right then and there, the lawyer took the paper and with the paper moved it and made an X oh, wow. from her handwriting. That was legal. It went through. As a result, the Friends of Israel received one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Wow! Now that was the woman's mother, and so the mother then, or the daughter then, took on that challenge and has been supporting us in such a wonderful way in so many ways. Steve and I have been down there together for events and things like that. And she she's, is she's she's such a, a humble person, very humble and so generous. As well, I've always been amazed, Tom, at how you have come to minister to so many individuals who love the Friends of Israel. You know, there's one thing I've learned about the people who who get behind Friends of Israel in prayer and in financial support is that we all agree on the same thing. We believe that God has a plan for Israel and the Jewish people biblically, and that uh, the gospel needs to be heard. And so, you know, I think that's important because I don't think that there's a donor that's out of touch with our mission statement and who we are. Right, especially. You know, there's an example from a, a lady I called on years ago uh, down in Alabama. And I called on her, just went in and visited, and she goes, oh, I'm so glad you're here. And she go, and I said to her, well, we certainly appreciate your support. Do you have many Jewish friends? And she goes, no, I've never met one. And then she said to me, could you bring me one? <laughs> she wanted to meet a Jewish wow. person. Did you bring one? I couldn't, oh. but within a year... Because I know she, one. Within a year, I know one, too. Within a year, <laughs> she went home to be with the Lord after that. But, but uh, Tom, you've also, in your department, not just you, there's been times you've gone grocery shopping. There have been oh. times you... I, did you ever pull a cat out of a tree? Did that happen? <laughs> I know I know you had a few things I've, happen. I've, I've gardened at people's homes. I've trimmed trees. I've done whatever seemed to meet the need of that person who was elderly and somewhat alone. I cleared out books. I've done various things in people's homes. Yes, you take them to the pharmacy. You take them to uh, the doctor. You take them to the grocery store. All those things were just ministry at that time for those people. And that's what we were there to do. We are there to help them because they're helping our ministry through their, through their prayers and their gifts. So we just did what their need was. Uh, can I, Julie, can I ask? I know that you've only been with us for two and a half days, but is there something that's maybe stood out to you at all with the Friends of Israel kind of entering in? Uh, as a newbie to the ministry, just something that, like, and, and spending time with Tom and hearing about the various ministries going on, is there anything that sticks out to you at all? Uh, I'm just really impressed by the humility and commitment to their faith, like where the rubber re- meets the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. It, uh, honestly, I, that's, that's why I was saying the same commitment that our donors have, that they want to give, they want to be a part of what we're doing, is the same commitment we have uh, you know, that, there's never a, a, a there's never a separation to me between what our our support f- prayer financially and the way that we act. There's never a separation there. They're fully on board with the things that we're doing. Well, you know, Tom is a critic, and remember, we we were thanking our donors for the refrigerator. Do you remember? That? I do. We <laughs> thanked them for the refrigerator. We. we I wish I could turn a it. camera to show. We'll have to take a picture and of we it. We have and post to take it. a picture. So Tom comes in and he said, <laughs> "Wait a minute." That's not a refrigerator. That's a cooler. <laughs> that made me feel good, too, so that our donors know we're not out just buying nice refrigerators. We have a cooler, <laughs> a small little cooler. Uh, but that's great. Hey, you know what? Uh, we'd love for you all to stick around sure. and um, and to uh, uh, be a part of the program, add some to commentary. To go where few people have gone before. That's right. And to add um, on, uh, what is that? Not on time. What, what am I thinking? Real time 
criticism. That's okay. right. Oh, That's really? right. Who are those Muppet guys that used to sit oh, up yeah. in the... <laughs> the two old crotchety yeah. guys. That's right. That's I who you... Them. Yeah, that's you. You can be that today. But uh, hey, Steve, before we get to fast news, you have something lined up for Did You oh, Know? Oh, Did You Know? And Chris, again, we want to thank Emily Stone. Uh, and as I looked in this book, and uh, Tom Gagan is one of the people that bought a book from Emily Stone, went mm-hmm. online... Did you know? And he just testified. Why don't you just say what you said about the book? You had all your staff buy one. Well, I, I'm, we have a staff conference coming up. Probably shouldn't say this because they'll listen to this. But yeah, I'm going to be purchasing it for, for all the people on my staff. So congratulations, guys. You're getting a book. Yeah, your, a book is coming your way <laughs> from Emily Stone. <laughs> there you go. And the, the one that I'd like to read today is Did You Know? The first Zionist Congress designed the Israeli flag in 1897. According to Rabbi Ken Spiro, the white background represents the notion of newness and purity. The blue stripes symbolize both the color of heaven and the stripes of a talit. What's a talit, Chris? Well, you know better than me, but a talit is uh, is connected to the prayers and understanding, you know, a prayer shawl, but also the um, the the. the 613 laws and remembering the tzitzit oh, as well. Oh, you gave more information oh, than did I did. Okay, you're, good. You're pretty good. That's which right. Which is meant to convey the transmission of Jewish tradition. At the flag center is the Mogan David, the star or shield of David, a symbol of Jewish identity since the 11th century. Did you know? Thank you, Emily Stone. Hey, you know what? Did, is, wait, you know, the star of David. Yeah. That, this is the question people always ask us. Wait a minute. David? Had a star on his shield? Uh, no. <laughs> Way to shut it. Century. That's right. Way to shut it down. Hey, you know, the thing I always love about the story of Israel's founding is, you know, you were just talking about uh, a couple of, uh, during lunch, you were talking about Jordan Peterson and his, his, his conversation on chaos and order. And chaos and order. And sometimes, you know, you can think chaos is bad and order is good. But chaos, like you said, creates creativity in our discussion. But order is good as well. Like there's a good place for both chaos and order. When I think about the uh, the establishment of the state of Israel, there is a perfect blend of chaos and order. And part of that chaos is leading up to the state. They didn't even know it was going to be called Israel. They they didn't have a name for it yet. They thought Judah. They, they you know what? There were a bunch of different names. But Israel was something they settled on, but that wasn't just a given. No, not at all. In fact, you talk about chaos. I remember Zvi Kalisher. We've had his granddaughter on our equip class when she did music. But Zvi Kalisher came right after the Holocaust. He was a year even after he survived as a, as a young boy. By the time he was 18, he was in Israel. And he describes getting people coming literally from the boat uh, getting a gun. They don't speak the same language. There's different languages. And uh, at the Battle of Latrun, the commander was saying, go forward. And several of them went backwards. Oh, yeah. Because they didn't understand it was pure chaos. Yeah. But I think I, I not, for a, a Russian or I mean, for a speak, I forget what the language is, maybe Russian. Uh, so don't quote me on this. But I, I remember the word was die. And in Hebrew, Die, die, die means pull back, pull back, pull back. But in Russian or whatever the other language, it means go forward, go forward, go forward. I re- and so they were like, all these people were just had, running in opposite some directions. people going two different ways. <laughs> and by the way, they didn't win that battle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Not at first. Eventually they did. But they it was chaos. And when you watch a Knesset meeting, 
What? Uh, you don't even yeah, have yeah. the, the Hebrew is a hundred miles an <laughs> the 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 Hebrew's a hundred miles an hour. The arms are flaying around, and it's a democracy. Yep, it's a live, vibrant, chaotic democracy. Um, hey, uh, as as we're talking about Israel, why don't we go ahead and um, we get ourselves ready for fast news? Are you ready with Jerusalem I, I, Post? I got the Jerusalem Post. You start the music. All right, and here we'll we go, go everybody. Here's fast news. Go ahead, Steve. Okay, Chris. Earthquake death toll exceeds 11,000 bodies lying in the streets. Well, the Times of Israel reports in light of what's going on in Turkey, Israeli teams helped pull out a 15-year-old girl alive from underneath rubble in Turkey. How did a seismologist predict that Turkey's earthquake three days earlier? Fears grow for untold number buried by Turkey-Syria earthquake, as Steve had already mentioned, tops nearly 11,000 people. Resist despair. Ukraine's Zelensky quotes from the Book of Psalms in the UK. <laughs> I like that. Hey, the, on the other end of what Zelensky just did, Iran displays a ballistic missile with, quote, death to Israel written in Hebrew. Zelensky in London wins pledge to train pilots on NATO jets. IDF team rescues four during operation in quake hit in South Turkey. So the Israeli defense forces are helping out in Turkey as well. 1,600 year old rare gold bead discovered in Jerusalem city I, of David. I saw that. They keep finding. Amazing. They keep finding stuff all over the place. Haredi men, uh, Haredi men three times as likely to be nearsighted, likely due to, Steve, you'll like this, likely due to Talmud study. <laughs> Little beady eyes. <laughs> That's right. It's the study. <laughs> Writing was on the wall for murder of Israeli woman by Lod Neighbor. IDF vets start three-day march to Jerusalem to protest the judicial overhaul plans. And Chris, Israeli computer scientist, helps crack secrets of Mary, Queen of Scots, lost letters. Stay tuned. Okay, everybody, that is fast news as we wrap it up here. Hold on, we gotta build it, Steve. It's still building. It's, it's still, coming. It's coming, here we go. Here we go. Aye, aye, aye. All right, that bad was timing. Fast. Bad oh, man. form. Well, Very we, bad form. I know, I thought we, we had enough for another one. I, I, we, I was about to do it, and I thought, just hold, wait a minute, but it didn't work we'll out. We'll so. keep practicing till we get it right. Okay, so Steve, we are in the Book of Revelation, which is kind of like fast news. We are seeing seven years wrapped up in just a few chapters, the tribulation period, as God is bringing his judgment to earth. And, you know, maybe we could start with this, because we're, we're kind of getting into the middle of the judgment here as we're entering into chapter 7, 8, all the way through chapter 19. A lot of people, I think, like to hang toward the beginning of Revelation. They like the end of Revelation. Who doesn't like the end of Revelation? But the middle is always the hard part. And I think there's a good reason why God has to judge the earth. And maybe we can start with that, too. Well, you're right. Things are popping right now, literally Popping. We've got the six seals that have been opened, and the seventh seal is going to open up with what will be seven trumpets. And Chris, it's going fast. It is the wrath of God. And what? why is all this happening? Uh, from our point of view, Jewish point of view, is anything okay? Not during this period. Mm -hmm. It's going to... Is anything okay? <laughs> we're, 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 we, we have to find what is okay. And the thing that's okay in chapter 7, which is where we're nesting very shortly here, 
is God has sealed 144,000 believers. So what's okay? In the midst of this terrible judgment, Mm. as bleak, as dark, as awful as it is, God has his witness and God has his people proclaiming hope in an absolutely horrible situation. God is giving purpose again. He's always had a purpose for Israel, but he's turning his attention during this seven-year tribulation period. Uh, he's turning his uh, attention back to Israel to fulfill the purposes that God gave them that I think go back to Exodus, where God says, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests. And here they are ministering. They're sealed with the mark of God, and they're out ministering the gospel during this time of tribulation, what you're talking about. You know, Chris, right now in Syria, the the list of people who are they're finding who have died keeps increasing all the time. It's bleak. It's dark. Just yesterday evening, I read that a baby was born. Uh, when the earthquake happened, they found the ba- a newborn baby, umbilical cord still attached mm. to the dead mother, and they saved her. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of horrible, there's hope. Mm. And in the midst here with these 144,000, Chris, they are preaching hope. There, It's a message of judgment, but it, not much different. Remember when we did Jonah? We did Jonah. Yeah. Uh, he didn't want, why didn't he want to go to a people who are so awful, so terrible? Because he knew that message of hope was going to take root, and he didn't want to do it. No, and that's a really good point, because if you're thinking about what's going on, the reason God has to judge the earth, which is something, it's not like he's inventing this in, in the book of Revelation. Jesus talked about a future judgment that would come. The apostles had talked about a future judgment that would come. The prophets had talked about a future judgment that will come, and globally, not just locally to a certain area, but God is dealing with the issue of sin once for all. In our chapel message that we heard today, a fantastic chapel message from Fred uh, Schweig down in Florida. Oh, tell them who Fred is yep. and how they could hear him. Yeah, well, I, well, you can't hear him just yet, but we've Not. got plans for Fred, uh, to hopefully oh, to be no. able to share. He's one of the Jewish guys in equipped. Oh, 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 yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about something else. No. Hey, uh, I was going to say, you, yeah, are, yeah, you yeah. are selling this thing fast. I like it. But no, Fred um, is actually going to be on. Uh, He's one of the five. Of the five for uh, the life of a Jewish believer that you can sign up for right now by going to FOI Equip which sponsors the Jew and Gentile podcast. But Fred gave a great message about, you know, about the fact that sin is real and that we should hate sin and that we should always be directing our hearts to the Lord. And, you know, when everything else fades away, you know, your work, uh, you know, sometimes you can consider ministry, uh, your relationship with the Lord. It's not your identity shouldn't be wrapped up in the things that you do, but your identity should be wrapped up in Christ uh, and his presence in your life. And the idea that, you know what, sin is real, we should hate sin. Well, the, the reality is, is that one day God will deal with sin once and for all. And that's what we're talking about here. And like you said, here's a beacon of hope in the midst of the judgment that's going in on. In fact, Chris, we left off uh, at uh, the throne where they were saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom. We did that. Why don't you start in verse 13? Because this is a neat part of chapter 7. Yeah, it says, Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? And I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are the two who have come out of the great tribulation. Uh, I'm sorry, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, 
They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on his throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun uh, will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You know, Chris, this is the fruit of the 144,000. This is what they've been preaching, and it's during a time, remember, we've already had six seals open. Mm -hmm. It's been off. It's not as bad as it's going to get, but it's bad, and it's going to get exceedingly worse, and already... We see people who've been a product of their preaching, who in the midst of a seven-year horrible Jacob's trouble, there's fruit. You know, I can't stress enough, again, the fact that God goes back to the book of Genesis in Genesis chapter 12, and he says this to Abraham, Abraham, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And again, you're seeing that happen as it plays out throughout Scripture, throughout progressive revelation that it's always been God's intent to use Israel and the Jewish people to bring hope into the world, into a lost and broken world. And here they are again. God uses the 144,000 as they're ministering. And when you pull back from the 12, tri the 12 tribes, the 12,000 in each tribe, as you pull back, you see that all of the nations have been blessed by Israel and their witness. And you're seeing all of these people, all of the families of the earth, even in the midst of this difficult time, will be blessed. They will hear the good news. And so they were washed there. I like this, that they're, they were washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's something... An old hymn, Chris. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you going to sing it? Oh, uh, no. no. I, I, I don't want to chase away the seven people. Well, we I, I know. Maybe they'll leave here, too. Uh, they, Tom. Yeah, that would for sure yeah. get them away. <laughs> we're getting out of here. This is getting out of control. Why don't you go to chapter eight? It's because that seventh seal is going to be open. That's right. So uh, the this moment with 144,000 is going to give way to the seventh seal. And so in chapter 8, it says, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. And the smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumbling, flashes of lightning, and earthquakes. Whoa. You know, you and I don't live in a lot of quiet. Uh, here at the office, you and I are the loudest ones around. Mm -hmm. uh, but you go home to the four horses of the apocalypse. Tell that's them uh, I owe them $4. That's right. They uh, get paid now. I got that that's on my tab. So yep. if they if they do by chance here at I You pay them in, in candy when they come by. Uh, yeah, that's true. I'll I'll give them 4 bucks. <laughs> but we're talking about silence. Before this seventh before this uh, when the seventh seal is open, the first thing that happens is quiet. Yeah. Did you ever hear real quiet? Before I can't live in quiet. <laughs> I know you can't. <laughs> the moment someone stops talking, you fill it. I'm the same way as you. You fill it right away. It kills me. I've been in meetings at Friends of Israel, and they'll throw out and say, does anybody have any comments? And in my it's maybe 10 seconds, in my head is 
Somebody speak. <laughs> Somebody say something. What are you going to do for about a half an hour when this time comes? Look, we're quiet. in the presence of God. As I said, you know, I had a, a guy come. I was speaking on Sunday, and he said, I heard one. He only heard one podcast, but it was the one where I said, boom, they all fall down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so I said, so when it's silent like this, boom, I'll be down. <laughs> I'll be down. It'll be, it will be easier because I'll be in the presence of the Lord. All right, we got we Go ahead. Cut, you got to cut in whenever you want there, yeah, Tom. Tom. Don't waste any something. time. Go no, ahead. I, I just want to say, I was, I was teaching this to a group of high school students. I went through the entire book of Revelation. And when I got to that portion where it says there was silence in heaven for the space of 30 minutes, I didn't say a word. Did, you really didn't say anything? I didn't say a word. I hit my watch. No, you're kidding. And then That's one, effective. <laughs> one full minute. I had it set for. I was going to do 30, but I was one full minute. And by 15 seconds of going, say something, Mr. Yeah. Gagas, I can't stand it. <laughs> it's like, they couldn't stand it. The, the tension was building. They were looking at me. They thought, well, what happened to him? You know, but in the end, they couldn't stand it. But you imagine 30 minutes in heaven. It is him. power. Uh, that's a great example. It It's that quiet is something big is going to happen. Can I say, I like what you said, though, about the tension. It builds because... This is that in-between moment as we're wrapping up chapter 7 and we go into chapter 8 and we're kind of we're connecting the dots between um, the, the, the uh, seals and the trumpets now. You know, there's this tension that you're feeling as God is going to move from one judgment to another judgment now and another series of judgments that are about to take place with the trumpet judgments. And so there's a tension that's building, and God's presence is in the middle of it all because here you see... I love the, the 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 picture of the altar that's there. You know, when when you would bring incense to the incense altar in the tabernacle in the temple, it was the idea of God's presence being with His people. That the smoke would rise up, the the smell, the sweet smell. That's the, right, the aroma. That's right, that's right. And that I, I, no, I really appreciate that. Would that would be if I was in your class, I would have probably been five seconds. But the idea, <laughs> but the idea, it, it's a perfect way to illustrate a biblical truth by actually trying to duplicate yeah. it, and you can't do it. It's they, impossible. It, it a, a half an hour, we should be saying, man, it, maybe it should be longer than yeah. a half an hour. <laughs> well, but, what, you know, one preacher told me. He said, "That means it's proof that there's no women in heaven." I don't. I don't subscribe to that. Oh, I don't subscribe to that whatsoever. Oh, I rejected it. I went. I went up and I rebuked him for that. <laughs> okay, we're going to make sure Jill doesn't hear this podcast. Oh, that oh, man. Oh, boy. He, he put himself out there. On she, that she's one. heard me do that. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. All right, Steve. Uh, you know, in our final moments here, as we're moving into chapter, uh, continuing chapter eight, but moving into the trumpets, how do we close out? What's the best way to close out the seals? Because what we're seeing is the whole purpose of the seals was that Jesus is breaking each seal, which gives him authority over the earth. And he is the uh, the only one who has the authority to break them in the first place. That's right. He has that authority, which again, it's a great I'm pre, I appreciate you brought that up because remember John's looking everywhere. Who is able to break these seals? And he wept much because this was the title deed to the earth. And even though there's judgment that's coming, they had to be broken. And now that they're being broken, the seventh seal is after half an hour of silence, if it was Steve Herzig there, it would be 15 <laughs> seconds, but a half an hour of silence, 
these are going to be rapid fire. Remember the birth pangs of the Messiah. Oh, that's we so talked important. about our wives being pregnant and yep. delivering, and it gets more intense. My wife goes, I get- like when she was listening to us do the conference the other day, she goes, oh, I, I like hearing you talk about pregnancy, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're really good at it. <laughs> uh, my but, wife chased me out of the, get out of here! Yeah, the, <laughs> I just, the, it's a great illustration, though, of what the what God uses, the birth pains. They're, it's leading up to, uh, it, it's it's uh, li- leading up to a painful, extremely painful moment that gives way to hope. Uh, and so, again, we're seeing we're in the middle of the birth pains here. It's it's happening. And judgment is coming in rapid fire. And uh, that you brought up Fred's message this morning, which impacted all of our uh, all of our staff. What he was saying is on this side of heaven, take inventory of your heart. Understand the holiness of God and where you are in reference to that. And every day, examine yourself. It's a, it's cut. You could pay me now, book of revelation and judgment or pay me later. Mm-hmm. No, pay me now, not judgment through the lamb or pay me later. And that's facing the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's right. Um, and cause even Paul uses the idea of, uh, sin and wages, uh, all the, the a payment idea that there has to be a payment. Jesus made the payment to, allow us to escape this judgment. And even Paul talks about this in First Thessalonians, in chapter 1 and in chapter 5, the idea that when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus, you are not determined for wrath. He says that you've been saved by the deliverer of wrath, uh, 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 delivered from the wrath to come. And so that's the idea is that we're, the church, I don't even know if we mentioned this at all in our study so far, but the church is not present in Revelation, after chapter not ma- three, that's right. First th- uh, chapters two and three, seven churches. There's seven churches like that to this day, and then it, all the way you get into chapter nineteen when the church comes back when we come with Christ. So if you don't know how to ride a horse, no problem. <laughs> you you don't even need a lesson. You'll be right behind. You're gonna actually. I tell people it's great to be able to see the tushy of the horse. <laughs> That Jesus is riding. I'm serious. Uh, I, that is, I know that seems funny, but don't you want to be behind him? I want to be behind you the tushy be of the horse that, that Jesus is riding. That's on. exactly right. That's right. Okay, so let's just wrap up with one, the first trumpet here. We'll get into the first trumpet, and then we're going to move on to the news. It says this, Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. And it was hurled down on earth. The third of earth was burned up. A third of the trees burned up, and all the grass, green grass, was burned up. Not good. Not good. So this is actual judgment that's taking place. Uh, I was just at a church this uh, weekend, Fellowship Bible Church in South Jersey, and uh, I was actually speaking on Acts chapter two. And in Acts chapter two, Peter is preaching to the Jewish people. And this goes perfectly with Romans chapter 1, verse 16, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Of all the people to understand this message, that the Holy Spirit has come down in Acts chapter 2, that the Messiah has come, of all the people to understand this message, it's the Jew- it should be the Jewish people. So when Peter is preaching, he's using Old Testament verses to back himself up, naturally. But he goes to Joel uh, chapter 2 at the very end, and it talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit would be poured out but then later on, as you get further down, there are these cataclysmic judgment events that take place, talking about the tribulation period, where he talks about the sun being darkened. 
you know, the moon going out, the stars falling, that kind of uh, 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 apocalyptic, um, cataclysmic event that's going to get your attention that God's at work. And here we see it happening now. God is at work to judge the earth. Including uh, in verse 5, where it talks about when it, uh, there are noises, thunderings, lightnings, earthquakes. It's It was just like when Moses was receiving the law. Remember? He said, hey, anybody want to go up there? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, thank you. You got it, Moses. Moses, take it away. <laughs> We're happy to send you up, Moses. Have a great time. And you're going to actually see that phrase appear over and over again, the peals of thunder, rumbling, flashes of lightning, and earthquake. Again, the idea, like you said, of God's physical presence, because this is really what we're pushing toward as we get to the end of Revelation, is that God is going to judge sin, but then his presence returns to earth. Uh, and that's really what we're looking forward to. So we've entered into the trumpets. I think we should probably stop there. We're in the midst of terrible stuff, That's Chris. right. Terrible would, stuff. Would you like to conclude any concluding thoughts to our uh, peanut gallery here? Julie, you, guys, you, you got okay? It. Yeah. Ju- Julie's gone, no. Yeah. She's like the children of Israel. No, take I, it away. The other thing I got to say is the energy in this room is just amazing. Okay. <laughs> it's not overwhelming. <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to get more than 15 seconds of silence here. Hey, just a quick reminder before we go to the news, the Jew and Gentile podcast is sponsored by FOI Equip, uh, your opportunity to learn the Bible from a Jewish perspective. I want to encourage you to go to foiequip.org right now. Actually, not right now. Don't do it right now. Do it at the end. I'll remind you again. But you can go there when you get to FOI Equip, and you can register for our online classes. Steve, the price, free. 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 You got to pay bupkis. You pay nothing. Bupkis. But the fun thing will be, Chris, I <laughs> February 16th. Come. The, the one guy, the one guy who's going to talk to five <laughs> Jewish people. And by the way, none of them young, unfortunately. We're all old. No, but that'll add a lot of flavor to uh, it, too. Oh, Well, that's one way of putting yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Even today, when when uh, when uh, Fred was uh, preaching... I was thinking to myself, I wonder if he's going to stop on time or is he just going to talk right through that <laughs> clock, you know? I was at, I'm was the one in charge of time. I was this close uh, to cutting them off. I know. I, yeah. I love it when two guys that talk a lot are cutting each other off, you know? <laughs> it's what we yeah, do. That you remember that. That's okay, right. so be sure to go to foiequip.org and there you can sign up. Be a part of that fantastic class and other classes. You can sign up for Tom Simcox, who's going to be teaching a three-week course on Messianic prophecy as well from the Old Testament, all of it pointing to the coming of Jesus and even his second coming. So be sure to go to foiequip.org. All right, Steve, what do we got in the news? In the news from NPR, Chris, the State Department will begin spelling turkey (laughs) as turkey. (laughs) Now, let me... Wait, the turkey as turkey. They're going to spell turkey, T-U-R-K-E-Y, as turkey. (laughs) T-U with two little dots on top. R-K-I-Y-E. And so a whole country is trying to rebrand itself. Yeah, that's going to be funny. That is going to be hilarious. But let me just read this from NPR. Some supporters say they wish to disassociate the country's name from the bird, (laughs) which is largely known in the U.S. for being a popular dish on Thanksgiving, as well as being a slang for... (laughs) <laughs> for something that does not work or is foolish. <laughs> they hey, really, you turkey. Yeah, they <laughs> they have really thought about this. They have they have met, they have spent 
30 minutes in silence thinking about how to rebrand themselves. You know, it's funny. If you've ever been a part of a rebranding at an organization, of oh, the kind of work you have to do to make that happen, I can't imagine what it's... Think of all the textbooks newspaper articles that all spell turkey like you're eating a turkey and now they're going to go and change that on everybody so that's what's that's a good luck to turkey on changing their name all right steve i i thought this one was i was uh i was um i was at the gym early in the morning the other day and you send me this funny um uh article from fox news yeah you should tell them a little bit about you have you have to have your quiet time from the four horses of the apocalypse up I'm up to eight bucks. Yeah, you're up to eight bucks. I'm going to, I'll take the money, okay? (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm not giving it to you. I'm going to go, it's going to go right for college. Hopefully we uh, fund them through that. But uh, so I get some quiet time early in the morning at a working out and going to the sauna. And usually when I'm in the sauna, I'll text, Steve's up early. I'm up early. So we'll start texting back and forth. And he texts me this funny article from Fox News. You ready for this, everybody? (laughs) It's this COVID 19's lasting impact. Less attractive people wear masks more often than others. <laughs> Study finds. Make, you cannot make this stuff up. Number one, who's judging who's attractive and not attractive? I, I want to meet that person. I, I want to meet that person. I don't know. Tom or Julie, do you have any comments on, on I'm not going wearing, there that one. Wearing a, you already put yourself, Tom, in the hole. He did. He really did. Exactly. No, uh, but uh, number one, it's I don't wear a mask. You don't wear a mask. Nope. Tom, you but I'm unattractive. Mask. I could tell you that, Julie. You're the only one I think we could dub to say it's the the study's true. I don't think you're wearing a mask, <laughs> and uh, I'd say the rest of us in here though are pretty unattractive people. So you're the only attractive <laughs> yeah, one in right. here. Julie's the best one. <laughs> yep, the three the... of us could sink a ship. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I you know I was thinking you know it says this. The study's authors add our findings suggest that mask wearing can shift from being a self protection measure. During the COVID-19 pandemic to a self-presentation tactic <laughs> in the post-pandemic era. Hey, Oy. you know, I, I'm not touching that one. Yeah, I let just, me see if I can find. Oh, here it is. Zygazun. Live and be well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. What's our last news well, of the day? Well, let's go from the foolish to the serious. Request was received. Israel to send earthquake relief to Syria as well as to Turkey, T-U-R-K-E-Y. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it's spelled. That's how it's spelled. Uh, it's going to be so hard now from now but on. But the point is, do you know uh, when Haiti had its earthquake, do you know who, ahead of the United States, Israel, which knows how to mobilize literally in minutes. Yep. They're ready for anything. They flew all the way from Israel to Haiti and were there with the triage before any other country. This event took place much closer. I'm not sure if Syria uh, was receptive to them or, and Turkey, but they were willing. They put out a, a willing, they sent message, we'll be there, just let us in and we'll help you. I know Turkey responded right away. Monday is when the earthquake happened. I believe Israel was already preparing to send a team out to Turkey and um, received help uh, or a request for help for Syria. Uh, they were sending a physical team um, to to Turkey, uh, Syria is a little bit of a different situation because of the relationship Israel has with with Syria. But they are sending tents and blankets and pillows and um, uh, you know some Israel has humanitarian a aid. Israel has a history. Even their enemies, uh, they will they will tend to. You know, Chris, we've heard stories in our association with Israel when there has been a suicide bombing and the suicide didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. The bombing did. 
but the person survived next to the people who were affected, Jewish and Gentile Israelis who are in the hospital and next to them treated the same by the doctors is the person who the perpetrated terrorist. Yeah, yep. the terrorist. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, this, with Syria, I know that they're considering if the request is put in to actually allow Syrians who are, have been injured by the um, by by the earthquake to actually come down and to receive medical treatment from Israel. This coming from a country who considers Israel an enemy, um, and since its founding in 1948. So you know, uh, we're thankful for Israel. Israel always shows uh, compassion to other nations, always reaching out. Um, to help. In fact, one of our good friends, uh, when we we used to serve at Kaplan Medical Center in uh, in Israel with our volunteer programs, Origins and Hesed, and I got to know a great guy. His name was Yoram Waxenbaum. I still consider him a good friend. He was one of the one of the Israelis who got us into the hospital and put us to work. And he goes on. He's a part of Isra Aid, and they go all around the world. And the moment a tragedy happens, he's on a plane flying to wherever they can help, uh, wherever they're invited to come help. And these, they're picking up trash to helping people, you name it. He's always there, and Israel and the Israeli government are always willing to help. That's why anti-Semitism is so hurtful. It's been hurtful for hundreds and hundreds of years. But think about it. Israel has a heart, and we're talking, we're not talking about believers here. We're talking about Israelis, Jewish people, who many believe in the Old Testament, who have this uh, biblical uh, foundation, who use the commandments that are given, which are, by the way, if it's the Word of God, it's holy, just, and good. Mm -hmm. And they use those as a way to minister, whether they're friends or not, Israel, and yet they get attacked all All the time. time. Yep, exactly. Well, uh, so keep up with the news. All of those links are in our show notes for the podcast if you'd like to read them for yourself. And if anybody's having turkey, it's not spelled the same way. Exactly. Or if you're going to Turkey, don't think you're going. If you're going to Turkey to get turkey, you're going to end up with two different spellings. Two different spellings. Just remember that. That's right. With stuffing or without. And if you're wearing a mask... No, I'm joking. <laughs> I need a mask, Chris. <laughs> All right, everybody. Yiddish word of the day. Yiddish word of the day as we conclude our Jew and Gentile uh, podcast. Well, before uh, we do that, Julie, Tom, how's it been? You say they're, they're two of the few. They're two of the few who have been able to last through a whole session. I know. And I'm wondering, Tom, are you able to sit there or is it killing you? I'm ready for the rest of the day now. (laughs) Julie, you okay? It's awesome. I love it. (laughs) Okay, good, good, good. All right. So Yiddish word of the day, everybody. Steve, take it away. Well, you're going to have to help me because the Yiddish word of the day is kainahora. Kainahora. But... What tell them what happened? How I reacted? I actually look. I heard it all the time from my parents. Kind of horror is kind of like knocking on wood. It's a superstition. You're supposed to keep the evil spirits away. That's literally the the connotation. But if something good happens, uh, something in the family, something you say, oh, kind of horror. That's good. You <laughs> you don't want any trouble. Keep. You know, kind of keeping a bubble around it yes. so that it stays that Superstitious way. Superstitious in some way, right? But you were that, saying it's kind of like knocking on wood. Exactly. Yeah. But re- re- when I looked it up so that you could get the literal literal translation, tell them what happened. Well, you started laughing because you said, this is what my mom would say. Kind of horror. Poo, poo, poo. That's exactly <laughs> a quote from my mother. 90, almost 99 years old. She still does. I love Blanche. I want to hear what Blanche says when she says kind of horror. Poo, poo, poo. How would you even use that in a sentence? What would you even oh, say? Oh, no, you don't. The poo, poo, poo is you spit. 
Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, just like on Fiddler on the Roof. Do you remember yeah. the dream? Do you remember the dream? Yes. And she spit. So the poo-poo-poo is really spitting. But this also, in Jewish culture and customs, there's a hamsa. That's a, correct. It's a hand. Maybe our listeners have seen it before. It's a hand with an eye in it. And it's the, the eye. evil. Oh. Keeping the evil eye away. That's you right. You see, look. We as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not superstitious. We believe God is in control. We believe that there is a literal Satan and that he attacks and that trouble could come. But for those in Christ, we trust him. He is sovereign. He is providential. And so there's no bad luck uh, in Christianity. But I come from a Jewish background. And you could go to Israel. Those of you who have, you'll see the Hamsa hand. Mm -hmm. What is it? It's superstitious. Don't get it. Don't, don't get it. Don't, don't buy in. Don't do it. But Kina Hora. Kina Hora. Poo, poo, poo. Okay, I like it, everybody. That's our Yiddish word of the day. Hey, thank you so much for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. Hey, Julie, Tom, thank you for being with us. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. I hope you come back. Uh, hey, listen. No, they're not coming back. <laughs> they've, they've had enough. That's it for them. I need a half an hour of silence. <laughs> After this, for sure. Okay, well, listen, really quick. Now you can go to foiequip.org. Be sure to register. FOI Equip sponsors the Jew and Gentile podcast. Hey, you got to get geared up. February 16th, Steve Herzig, four other Jewish believers are going to be talking about what it means to be a Jewish believer, to be a heavenly bound Hebrew. <laughs> and you're going to want to also sign up for other classes. Connect with us. Say hello in our Say Shalom section. Hey, thank you so much for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. We'll see you soon. <laughs>